0: Good afternoon, friends. It's another beautiful late autumn day in the best little city in America. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show. Uber producer Dan Peters and I will host the next couple hours here of conversation on news and politics and, uh, you know, all the good stuff. Holiday shopping a little bit. How about that? Holiday shopping. Transportation the mayor's race. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Welcome. It's a, just a beautiful, beautiful day out there. I hope you're getting to enjoy it. And thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today, whether that's in your car, uh, sitting in the office, listening on your mobile device, out walking around. If you're in front of a computer, you can watch the first half hour of this, or the first hour. I've expanded it to an hour. It used to be a half an hour. Now we do an hour on Facebook Live. And uh, people are on there right now, and uh, I'm waving to the Facebook, there it goes, no more waving. Uh, You can also, there's a new KSOO mobile app that launched recently, and you can get all the details on that on our website at KSOO.com, but if you just search for it, you'll find it. And it's a great way to live stream this show and uh, listen in and catch up on the latest news at KSOO. I had an interesting conversation yesterday with our guest, Dr. Kurt Griffin, after we went off the air. And uh, being generally the same age as Dr. Griffin, uh, although much less educated, uh, we somehow got on this topic of computers and how we both kind of grew up in the computer age, starting at the very early years of personal computing. Dan, that's probably, you probably remember those days, but you were not quite you know, conscious and actively seeking out computers, were you? You were probably too young. Like the 79, 80 right in there? Well, I don't know. I would have been in yeah. the formative age of formative just, ages. just before double digits. know, yeah, well, okay. Well, see, I, you know, when when uh, I was reminded of these early days of computing and programming and, uh, uh, you know, it, and when you talk to Kurt, Kurt's a very smart guy, all right? He's got PhDs and all that stuff. And he's a, a diabetes researcher uh, and he has oh. a lot more experience than I do, but he talked about how his doctoral thesis was stored on these punch cards that he, he created using Fortran, which was an old mainframe uh, computing language that was where I stopped with computer computer programming. But we were talking about stuff. and I, And then I had this, I remembered when I started, like what was my first computer, you know? And I remembered my brothers and I, growing up, somebody gave us a Commodore 64. Do you remember those things, Dan? Oh, yeah. I remember playing the Oregon Trail game on the Commodore 64. Yeah, they were big gaming computers at the time, and like the first wave of these things, And after like Pong. (laughs) First was Pong, and then the Commodore 64 came along, and you could buy like cassettes, and you would put them, you'd load them up there on this little cassette player, and you'd record you'd play the program it would load up in there because the thing had no storage and then you'd play the game right That that's how it worked well the games were you know you had to buy the game so we got this computer and we didn't have any of the games but you could get magazines and in the backs of the magazines uh, go to lewis drug get the computer magazine probably commodore 64 <laughs> magazine or whatever it was and there'd be these little games in the back and you would have to type in the programs the coding And then you'd get all done. And you know we were kids, so you get all done, take you hours just to type it in, and then you'd you know type in run enter. And you'd just be waiting there and and it'd start loading and then er, air, air. Oh man, you try and go back to the line, figure out, oh okay, here's a if I got a comma instead of a period, blah blah blah. And then you'd go back and run enter. And you do this for like hours, just so that you could in the end, like run away from a dinosaur or like shoot arrows at a, at a dragon or something. They were very rudimentary, but it reminded me of those early, early days of computing. And now, you know, I hang out with my uh, nephews and the kids and such, and you know, they're, they've got amazing, amazing games on uh, an iPad or a Kindle Fire or whatever. I'm just, I'm blown away. But I think I think there was value in having to learn how to program those things. It, it teaches you something about logic or something. I'm not even exactly sure what it is. but And also the exactness of being able to type in everything correctly, because if you've got one character out of line, it, that ain't going to run. <laughs> yeah, it was great fun, and it was fun to remember. I wonder if anybody still got those Commodore 64s, if you could find them like on the internets or something, you know, and then the first apples and the apple twos and stuff like that. It was fun. It's good to catching up after uh, uh, our interview here yesterday with Dr. Griffin, fun guy, good guy. Um, Anyway, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, We have Jolene Letcher. She is one of the eight candidates who want to be your next mayor. And she'll be in with us in the second hour. The smart cyclist is going to be in the studio again for weird friends. And I suspect, I suspect we're going to beat on turn for a little bit and uh, talk about the big announcement yesterday morning on the, uh, no, it was this morning, this morning on Bike Friendly Status. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. Smart Cyclist was down at the press conference, so he can fill us in. Jody Schwan is going to be checking in with us from Falls.business. She has got the big 605 made holiday market this weekend at Shropa Place, and that's always a big event. I think this is their first holiday one, though. And I'll have a PL and l statement just after the break. Today's topic, uh, you know, what else? Stupid man. The Stupid Man update. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about Tillerson. Uh, that's all coming up next on The Patrick Lally Show here on Information 1000 KSOO. Yeah! 316 on The Patrick Lally Show. And we're trying to get a little closer to free today on the PN;L statement. This is the time of day when I like to look through the news and see what's going on and sort of had a have a conversation about the news of the day and how it affects us here in the best little city in America. And uh, first thing I want to do before we get into what is clearly the news of the day, which is more stupid men. Uh, so this idea that we're going to uh, uh, Trump wants to get rid of Tillerson now, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is on the outs with the president. Uh, You remember a while back he was uh, reportedly called the president a moron. uh, And now he is on the outs, whether that's it or, you know, they've just had a lot of disagreements on how things should work. And I think that it's, it's pretty clear the president has less uh, patience than Mr. Tillerson does. Uh, So, Tillerson's been overhauling the uh, State Department. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of negative uh, publicity about him and the department. A lot of people have left. 2,000 people, I believe, have left the State Department. Uh, of course, Tillerson that is the former Exxon Mobil CEO who, uh, this is really his first government gig. And I had a lot of skepticism about the guy going in. I mean, here he is, 40 years running Exxon, and uh, he's going to be Secretary of State. But, you know, it's... it's uh, he turned out to be a pretty decent guy, I think, uh, pretty calm. Um, just very, uh, uh, you know, level-headed it seemed. And I, it seemed to be a, a steady and reasonable human being, which is what you need to be as secretary of state. Very, very patient. Um, the fact that he ran afoul of the president on uh, issues of foreign policy probably speaks more to his character than anything. Um, you know, I think they, they were dead disputed on, uh, North Korea and uh, whether or not diplomacy can work there and just some of the uh, probably less than aggressive uh, tactics of a uh, a diplomat um, don't work too well with the president. And then there's the rumor, the reporting is that uh, uh, he would be replaced uh, by CIA director Mark, I'm sorry, Mike Pompeo, um, Pompeo, I think it is Pompeo. And he's currently running the CIA. And now then it would be who's going to run the CIA. And there's conversation about that it would be Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, which then opens up a seat in Arkansas, which would get uh, appointed by the governor of Arkansas, but only through the 2018 election, which would put another Republican uh, in in play for the election. And so there's a lot of balls in the air on that. We'll see. But it's, it's pretty clear that Tillerson is on the way out. that He's just trying to get through the year. Uh, you know, and that's probably not enough time, but that's the way it goes. You serve at the pleasure of the president after all, that's the way it works. Um, but let's get into the stupid man update for the day, shall we? Uh, okay. So starting with Texas representative, uh, uh, I can't remember Joe Barton, Texas representative Joe Barton, the most senior member of Congress from Texas says that he won't seek reelection next year. After a nude photo circulated of him online and uh, a a Republican activist revealed messages of a sexual nature from him. So uh, Barton, 68, he had apologized for the photo and uh, but he refused calls to resign or not seek re-election. He suggested he could be the victim of online exploitation. And then a week later. Uh, Tea Party organizer Kelly Cannon came forward with Facebook Messenger exchanges from 2012 when Barton asked if she was wearing panties and made other sexual references. He, uh, Cannon, said Barton hadn't apologized and she hadn't asked him to, but she also called on him to resign to avoid an electoral feeding frenzy among Democrats. So that's one. Uh, you got your uh, Matt Lauer follow-up. He said Thursday that he's repairing the damage that he has caused, uh in Repairing the damage that he caused is now his full-time job. That's because he doesn't have a job. Uh, his first response to his firing was read by his former co-host, Savannah Guthrie, on the show where he had worked since 1994. Um, he said, I regret that my shame is now shared by the people I cherish dearly. Repairing the damage will not will take a lot of time and soul-searching, and I'm committed to beginning that effort. It is now my full-time job. So, yeah, Matt's, uh, you know, he's not, he's not coming back from that. Uh, Nancy Pelosi kind of turned, did a 180 on uh, Conyers uh, this weekend. She was not calling his for his resignation. Today, she did. Uh, The top Democrat in the House on Thursday called on Michigan Representative John Conyers to resign in the face of multiple accusations of sexual misconduct. Conyers' lawyer swiftly rejected the request, saying Nancy Pelosi, quote, sure as hell won't be the one to tell Congressman to leave. Uh, So... Uh, Pelosi called the allegations very credible and serious, and uh, said she he should step down after the decades on Capitol Hill. He was elected in 1964. He's 88, and he's in the hospital for undisclosed uh, reasons. Also, House Speaker Paul Ryan uh, said that Conyers should resign immediately. Al Franken, um, another report: uh, Senator Franken groped Army veteran during U.S. tour. This is a uh, another. Uh, a person coming forward, that's Stephanie Kemplin, 41, of Mainville, Ohio, told CNN in a report Thursday that Franken had cupped her right breast when she stood next to him for a photo of December 2003. Kemplin, who was deployed to Kuwait at the time, is the fifth woman in two weeks to accuse Franken of sexual misconduct. Um, Franken's office said, uh, you know, he takes thousands of photos, blah, blah, blah. He remains fully committed, blah, 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 cooperating with ethics investigation, blah, blah, blah. So that's the quick update. You know, a couple things. And I heard the the Matt Michaels news story at the top of the hour talking about how he now says there needs to be sensitivity training or sexual harassment training uh, for legislators at the beginning of each session, which is a bit of a turn-off for him. Um, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, but you know what? I just I think it's time for all these guys to resign it's a scourge on either their political parties and the country as citizens we should have a no tolerance policy for our public officials in a lot of different ways but in particular in this environment in this sort of national reckoning that we're in people that are under serious and credible scrutiny for sexual misbehavior should resign I just think now there's danger there because if if that becomes the norm, then, uh, you know, non-credible allegations could lead to somebody having pressure to resign. And that's not what we want. We know that we want them to be credible allegations uh, on the record allegations um, that are made by people who can back up their story. And that includes the state of South Dakota. The degree to which top officials in this state have sloughed off these allegations of misbehavior in peer and the degree to which they discounted the accusations at the time speaks to the problem that we face here, not just with sexual harassment, but in the application of power and the responsibility with which they have been entrusted. And I think that's the key point. Um. Attorney General Marty Jackley said the other day with regard to the Gene Abdullah allegations, which Mr. Abdullah, a former legislator who is up for a seat on the board of pardons and paroles, at Mr. Jackley's appointment, he said, you know, Gene denies the allegation, you know, so there's nothing, to, you know, it would be serious if it was true, but he says it didn't happen. So I'm good. Um, that seems particularly dismissive to me given that he is also a law enforcement officer as a G while asking a woman to watch her pee as Mr. Abdullah is alleged to have done isn't a crime. All right. It's just stupid and bad behavior. The A G should know that people lie when confronted with bad behavior and the degree to which Jack Lee even asked Abdullah if it was true, isn't immediately apparent. Dismissing the accuser seems short-sighted at best and purposely blind and turning a blind eye at worst. So to Conyers, Franken, Barton, Roy Moore, and any of the state or local officials to which credible accusations are attached, resign, go away, you're no longer fit to serve. Of course, that all raises obvious questions about the president and the comments caught on tape, which he is now trying to cast doubt upon, saying it wasn't him. The president needs to address those comments and his own behavior if there's any hope of moving forward, maturing as a society. If a U.S. senator can be taken down by groping and bad behavior, so can a president. And Matt Michaels, as the lieutenant governor, who at one point said, there is no culture of bad behavior in peer, any more than there is anywhere else saying there now needs to be sensitivity training. And when he was speaker, he did all these things. Why wasn't he saying that before? Because the tide has turned and the tide has turned in the country and it's turned in South Dakota and it's time we take these things seriously. That's the bottom line on the PNL agree or disagree. You can email me Patrick at Ksoo.com. I always want to hear from you. Good people. You can jump on our Twitter feed at P Lally show and have a conversation there. We like hearing from you. After the break, we're going to have weird friends. The smart cyclist will be in, and we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's Tom Petty. For our next guest, uh, who won't back down from uh, pursuing the, uh, a better life for people of Sioux Falls through uh, any form of transportation they choose to use. It's the Smart Cyclist in studio today. In studio. Mr. Smart Cyclist, thanks for being here for Weird Friends.
1: Good afternoon. Happy to be here as usual.
0: Uh, we're going to try and make this a regular thing because it's just so much better to see you in person, eye to eye.
1: It is. I can tell when you're ready for somebody else to start talking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's always a, a benefit. So uh, a couple things. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. All right. First of all, uh, Jeff Turn over at ESPN 99.1. I've been talking about this for a while, right? Yes. So we've been in this Twitter war and SmackDown. Yes. He's at, uh, by the way, at P. Lally's show on Twitter is my handle here on the show, and, uh, turns is, uh, I think it's at J I think it's at J T E S 99 one. Okay. So that's out there. Yes. And, uh, he was making fun of me for having mittens on my bike, so to speak, uh, which are actually specially designed bar mitts that keep your hands warm when it's chilly out. Okay. Yes. He's making fun of me, which is fine. I'm a big boy. I can take it. Right. And, but then I was able to bring the wrath of the cycling community down upon him <laughs> <laughs> yes, of which you were one.
1: Sure, I'll play that game. Yes, once in a while. And
0: and you were you're you're a reasonable human being. So I am. Others are not. Right. So, um, I you know I think you challenged uh, Jeff and I to go have lunch. But I think what we should do is all go up, take a little ride together. Yes, that would be fun. I don't know if Jeff actually owns a bike, uh, but I'm going to find out.
1: Well, I would guess that we could find one for him somehow, some way.
0: A properly fitted. Yes. High quality bicycle machine yes uh, that's what we got to do but and i, I had sam trabilcock on the show yesterday yes right? and uh talking about the uh friendly uh, uh bike friendly cities thing which we're going to get to in a minute but uh i asked him this question which is uh the answer to mr turn's uh suggestion i put it in very reasonable terms that bikes should not be able to be on roads where cars are. that It just shouldn't happen. And what is your very reasonable, as a, as a certified instructor with the League of American Bicyclists, what is your very reasonable response to Mr. Turn's assertion?
1: Well, there's a hundred years of laws that say bicycles are vehicles mm-hmm. and bicycles should operate according to vehicle law. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't see how you can argue with a hundred years of, of law. And if you're going to argue with a hundred years of law, then you should be willing to attempt to change those laws. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's a, it's an opinion and it's spitting into the wind because the law says bikes are vehicles and ride your bike according to vehicle law. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, cars are big, um, but I'll strongly assert and highly, highly state that riding on the sidewalk is far more dangerous. Drivers aren't looking for you there. hmm and it's not efficient. If you want to, if you want to use bicycles as transportation, um, it does not make sense to ride on the sidewalk. You have to be on the road. You have to be, you have to, you have to be, and other drivers have to be subject to stop signs, red lights, green lights. Otherwise, every intersection is a hazard. Every single intersection is a hazard. Um, another piece of why bikes, people who say bikes shouldn't be on the road, I suspect they picture that. I'm riding my bike on Minnesota Avenue. I'm riding my bike on 41st street. Mm -hmm. I'm riding my bike on 12th street. Mm -hmm. Um, one of your, one of your Twitter guys said you bikes shouldn't be allowed on major roads Mm -hmm. or, or, and, and I get the feeling that people suspect or envision bicycling in the city that you're right there with 20,000 other vehicles. Um, when really, if you are there with 20,000 vehicles, you're really just there with the car in front of you and the car behind you, Mm -hmm. the driver in front of you and the driver behind you. Um, but yeah, we're smart and, and we do want to survive. And so 80%, 80%, 85% of my on-road biking happens on side streets as often as it can, as mm-hmm. often as it can, where the traffic is light and I can control the situation. Now, if I have to go to McDonald's and man, don't tell me I shouldn't be able to go to McDonald's on my bike and don't tell McDonald's I shouldn't be able to be on my bike and go there, um, then I'm out there and I'm in line with traffic where drivers are looking, where drivers are expecting things to be.
0: In the drive-up, just like everybody else. Yep, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. There's the very reasonable—now, the the, the uh, uh, mountain of opinion is beginning to build. The, the the evidence is beginning to build, the reasonable, informed evidence against that position. So thank you for that. Yes, you're welcome. Um, let's move on to uh, this morning. There's the big press conference, and we talked to Sam Trebilcock about that yesterday, too, about— League of American Bicyclists Designation of Bike-Friendly Cities. And you were there. I was there. So I you're kind to... of our man on, the, man on the street.
1: I'm your reporter who went to the press conference, yes.
0: Yes, uh, ju- this just in from <laughs> a press conference that happened six hours ago. Yes. Um, uh,
1: what was the news? The news is that Sioux Falls has received for the third time a Bicycle-Friendly Community Award at the bronze level. So we've been receiving that same award, um, since I think 2010, um, there's still the sign up on 12th street that says we're a bicycle friendly community, 2010 through 2013. Mm -hmm. They need to change the sign. (laughs) Um, so maybe, so, uh, so yeah. Um, can we just get
0: a, like a, a a Sharpie or something? Just change the number. (laughs) Um,
1: maybe that'll happen actually. (laughs) great idea Thanks. um but yeah so so same award there's there's three levels maybe four levels there's gold and there's platinum mm-hmm. levels um there's silver Silver's mm-hmm. next Silver's the next step up um, but there's it gets bronze.
0: it gets the the group of people of cities in silver gold platinum gets very small very quickly yeah so it's tough to make the next jump so right so what does it mean for our city to be a bronze level bike friendly city i mean
1: big deal right Well, awards are nice. Mm -hmm. Um, People care about awards. Um, People care that they... It's an encouraging thing for bicyclists to know that um, Sioux Falls is a bicycle-friendly community. It encourages ridership in some people. Mm -hmm. Some people, the cynical people, of course, see that and then have a bad experience on the road and say, Sioux Falls isn't friendly. Um, Right. yeah there's gonna be bad experiences occasionally. You're gonna meet a guy on Twitter who says bikes should be get off the road um <laughs> just because one guy one guy does not a bad community make an unfriendly community make um but yeah we we take pride in that uh, there is criteria you apply to get the award every three years. you fill out a form, you say, yes, we have bike lanes, yes, we have single track, yes, we have bike education opportunities. Um, yes, we have a 20 mile plus bike trail around the city that of course is great. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, and can be used in transportation when it is appropriate.
1: Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so you fill out an application says, oh, and, 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 and the city fills it out, um. But it's a community-wide thing, so they fill it out uh, and talk about what they've also done as a city organization to improve bicycling, and and the league judges that. And they send a report card that says, you can improve here, you can improve here, here's how to get to silver, that kind of thing.
0: How do we get to silver?
1: I have not seen the report card. It actually isn't published yet, but it will be on the internets um, sometime soon, a few weeks from now, I Mm -hmm. think, is what they said.
0: Generally speaking, having watched this process for a while, what do you think we— lack in terms of being bicycle-friendly?
1: Here's my focus on being bicycle-friendly. Being a bicycle-friendly community means having people in the community that are bicycling and friendly. And so my personal goal is to increase the level of ridership by making the bicycling community more attractive. Um, For example, uh, Saturday I had a ride um, coffee shop ride, we call it once a month. And, uh, a mayoral candidate stopped by. He saw the group gathering on the street and stopped mm-hmm. by and said, what's this? And enjoyed the fact that we were all riding our bicycles. Um, a couple from Denver moving here from Denver, um, approached one of our riders and well, what's going on here? We really? like, we like to bike. We're moving to Sioux Falls. Oh, cool. Let's connect with you because, you guys look friendly and nice.
0: You look friendly. <laughs> um, they were
1: talking to Jody Erickson and oh, we all okay. know that
0: she's overly friendly. It's no, tough to get more friendly yeah, than her.
1: That's true. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, yesterday you talked to Kurt Griffin, right? Yep. So he moved here a few years ago. Um, and he bikes mm-hmm. and was looking for a way, an outlet for that. And what do you know? So he found us, he's been riding with us and all of a sudden it, we discover, we start to discover that we're riding with the guy who's doing some of the best work in the country to fight diabetes. We had no idea. Yeah.
0: I, I, when I first met Kurt, I had no idea. I bet you I knew him for a year before that, that he even worked for Sanford. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. What do you do? Oh, I'm a diabetes researcher. Wait a minute. He's like the top diabetes researcher.
1: <laughs> right. So he and I, he and I took the hour ride drive to Brookings once to teach a safe cycling class there. He's also a league certified instructor. And I decided like a couple of days before that ride, I was like, okay, I'm going to pin him down and get him to tell me that he is that guy. <laughs> and indeed he is that guy. And so, so, so building it. So, even if like people in Sioux Falls are never going to buy in because they mm-hmm. think it's cold or like Jeff, John. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Jeff um, wants to be comfortable. Fine, go ahead and be that. But when people from Denver who ride move here, mm-hmm. we're gonna get them. And when people, when Kirk Griffin moves here, we're gonna get them. And we're gonna build the community that way because it's a vibrant thing. There's so much going on, so much fun. Um, Parade of lights, mm-hmm. forty people, that forty riders mm-hmm. there in lights. The community sees that. They see a vibrant community. Hey, maybe I want to be a part of that. I mean, there's a place for everybody in that. Um, and. And so, yeah, that's my goal is to encourage that kind of thing. Um, and I'm stepping in. I'm president-elect now of the Falls Area Bicyclists. I'm looking forward to working with the team there to to see what we can do mm-hmm. um, to improve that yeah, and continue that energy.
0: Well, that's that's the question I wanted answered, Smart Cyclist. And I, I appreciate that your real name, of course, and we're okay to use your real name, right? Yes, absolutely. Michael Christensen, who of who is the Smart Cyclist, the new president of FAB, uh, beginning next year first of the year and uh a uh, league of american bicyclists certified instructor uh and you know just you know a friendly guy a friendly guy so that's what
1: we're friendly people yes and friendly is the middle name of the bicycle friendly community
0: there you go uh michael thanks for for stopping by and always happy to be here don't don't look turn in the eye when you leave okay just okay just Just straight straight ahead. ahead don't okay once you look him in the eye, then you got trouble. Can,
1: is it safe to knock on the
0: glass, or does that? Freak I, I wouldn't do that does either. That freak I did him that. Out? I did that. and He said I was interrupting an award-winning radio show. Oh, oh, okay, <laughs> I, <take laughs> I didn't even knock on the glass. I you can wave if the lights on. Wave if the, the light or wave. if the lights on. Don't wave if the lights off. Wave. Okay, how's that? Got it. Uh, anyway, this we got Jody Schwan coming up next. We're going to talk about the holiday market Saturday at Sharapa Place. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO. 3.48 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And one
1: horse open sleigh.
0: And to put us in the mind Over of the, the holidays. We go the bare naked ladies.
1: Laughing all the way.
0: Kind of a calm entry for our next guest, uh, Jody Schwan with Sioux Falls.Business. And the reason I play holiday music is Jody's got the big holiday market going on this weekend. Jody, thanks for being here. Hello. Hi, Jody. Sorry about that.
2: Okay. No, never mind. Hey, that woke me up. I was really mellowed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, forget that. Here we are. <laughs> it was it was gonna
0: be it was gonna be a very short segment.
2: <laughs> okay. Um anyway, yeah, great lead in um, to the six oh five Main holiday market. I feel like we should be playing that Christmas music in the background at the event. Um, it's this Saturday and This is just a great, I'm biased, but I think it is a perfect opportunity to really shop local, local. hyper-local. What we do is take the underground parking level of Sharapa Place right downtown on the river, and we turn it into a pop-up shop of locally made merchandise. So we are featuring items from 50 area makers, including 18 who are new to our events, so you've never shopped their work with us before. And um, it's all one shop. It's not like a typical craft fair. You don't go from booth to booth. You just go in. It's like a store set up in a parking garage. You have to see it and experience it uh, to really understand what I'm talking about. You check out one time and you're good to go. So um, we are just excited, first of all, to tell the stories of these local makers. If you uh, head over to our site, Business, you can read about several of them already. Um, All kinds of different products, everything from locally made honey and honey-associated products, to decorative signs, to yard games, to handmade pet collars. We literally have it all and uh, are excited to give these makers a really nice opportunity to sell their work. So it's a free event. Uh, we want to thank the First National Bank uh, in Sioux Falls for sponsoring it for us, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to recognize our, our partnership with the handmade business, Natty Gnome, celebrating its first year in business over at Hartford. They help us organize the oh. event.
0: So, Natty, Natty Gnome?
2: Natty Gnome.
0: Natty Gnome.
2: O T T. not like tie a knot.
0: Got Natty it. Gnome. Got it.
2: Yeah, uh, in Hartford. So 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, 605 main market this Saturday.
0: Well, that sounds exciting. It's going to be very festive. Uh, it, it should be beautiful weather, which, you know, is nice for you, but not. it doesn't have that holiday feel yet, though. You could use a you little snow, a little light snow or something like that. Uh, I'll
2: take it. In typical South Dakota fashion, we held our spring market earlier this year, May yep. 1st, and we had snow that day in the morning. <laughs> so you know what? I'll take a dry December 2nd, any day. And because it is a Saturday, um, yeah, we've taken over the parking garage, but there is tons of parking mm-hmm. right there at Sharapa Place, so that should not be a problem either. Although, like you said, it's going to be a beautiful day to walk. Hopefully... You'll come visit us. You'll do some shopping, and then you'll stick around and check out everything else there is to do downtown because yeah. uh, those local stores have great options too.
0: It's going to be a big shopping day. You can feel it. Uh, I think so. The other thing you guys do down there, as you say, it's a it's a parking garage, but it's it's sort of transformed. You know, yeah, it yeah. it has a real great sort of market mm-hmm. feel to it. That's yeah, when you've done vibe that before. To it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you know the whole. Uh, maker movement has a lot to do with upcycling and repurposing. So so we're repurposing a parking garage and yes we we string Christmas lights all over the garage and, and we do some decorating and the merchandise itself helps us decorate. There's plenty of holiday themed merchandise but there's a lot of, of general merchandise too and it's just a good time. Um, everybody seems to be in a good mood when they go. We've got some food options we're going to have bredico down there i know you're a fan of theirs so Huge. bredico will be there ode is going to join us of course they're upstairs at shrapa but they're coming downstairs with some lunch options as Huge. well as some beer and beer and wine i'm told for the first time at the market uh, uh for sale downstairs so you know sounds that'll fun help go by even quicker yeah it'll be a good time
0: outstanding jody yeah. uh the details again time and place
2: you bet. Um, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's a free event this Saturday at Sharapa Place.
0: Outstanding. Jody, thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to you again real soon.
2: Thanks, Patrick.
0: This is The Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 356 on The Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Fortunate oh. Sun. Hey folks, coming up December 14, 15, 16, 17, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's Christmas at the Cathedral. That's at the Cathedral of St. Joseph, all four nights at 7.30 p.m., plus a 1 p.m. performance on Saturday and a 2 p.m. performance on Sunday. Proceeds benefit the Bishop Dudley House, which is a homeless shelter for folks downtown, and the Cathedral of St. Joseph Ongoing Care and Maintenance Endowments. It's good cause. It's uh, always a very very popular uh, event every year, uh, often televised. I believe it gets taped and played later, but it's uh, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful building. It's acoustically amazing if you've ever been able to be in there for any type of musical performance. Uh it's it sounds great. I was fortunate in my youth to play uh uh, several times in there with uh, various brass ensembles and it's it really is amazing experience and of course with the renovation it is a beautiful beautiful site so good holiday event if you're looking for something to do with the family that is coming up quite soon so you're going to want to get tickets go to ccfesd.org and you can find that that's ccfesd.org to get more information or just Google Christmas at the Cathedral Sioux Falls. You'll find it. You'll find it. You won't have any problem there. Hey, folks, coming up in the next hour, we will have uh, Jody Jolene Letcher. She is a candidate for mayor in Sioux Falls, and you may have heard of Jolene. She's a former television reporter and has gotten involved in some public policy and business. Uh, Jolene was on the show right after she made her announcement, but that was a short one, so we needed to get her back talk more about what she sees for the city and what's coming up that should be fun also we'll have the weather after the break with blaze keller from kdlt he'll fill us in on what's going to happen this weekend and what we can expect for the rest of our holiday month you know give us give us the idea what's going to happen over over the weekend so that's that'll be great That's something to look forward to. Uh, Coming up uh, tomorrow, by the way, I've got a great story. I'm going to tell you about it later uh, of a really inspirational story that you're going to want to tune in for. So stick close. That'll be later. And tomorrow, this is The Patrick Lally Show. 4.13 on The Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And... You know, we love local politics on this show, and uh, so we have brought back into the studio in our continuing series of mayoral candidates, and there are many, Jolene Letcher. Jolene, thanks for being here.
3: Absolutely. You are one of the people that I think are really excited for how long this political cycle has turned into.
0: (laughs) If you are an AM radio host with a talk show, this is gold, man. Gold. You just hit the jackpot. Yeah, it's going to be a nice ride. So you were in here. The day you announced, but we only had like five minutes or whatever it was, and uh, so now I've been I've been knocking everybody down in the uh, in the list, and then we're just going to start over and do it again. All
3: right, because
0: it's too much fun.
3: It, and it is, and you know what I think is interesting about it is the topics and the conversations continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. And the old journalist in me is like, right? Well, I talked to them about that a couple of weeks ago, but now there's this new angle to it or this new um area to look at and
0: there's just new issues all the time that we're going to talk about here in a second but uh first of all uh, how's it how's the experience for you when when you were here last time it was still kind of a
3: couple hours old
0: The the rumors of you running to the point where you announced was pretty pretty narrow time frame i mean you surprised some people so you did that and you've been out there now what have you been doing
3: A lot of um, getting to, of course, hear the issues, talk to people, um, you know, doing coffee meetings, going and meeting with department heads, seeing what's out there. Yesterday, I spent the afternoon with Mark Cotter, and we got to go to water reclamation, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I know, I know. But I was excited about, because one of our businesses is uh, internationally, it's known for dog DNA testing, Mm -hmm. and so I understand, like, how microbes eat things and digest so when we were out there and we're talking about microbes I was like oh this is fascinating
0: it is really cool actually it's (laughs) it the, the whole water treatment process is is really neat and you don't think about people never think about it but it's really cool
3: it is. It's so fascinating. And then, you know, in Mark's defense, he tried to prepare me for one of the the buildings we went into. He's like, it's going to smell really bad. <laughs> and I'm like, you've smelled nothing until you've smelled, you know, <laughs> some of the stuff I've been around. Until
0: you're running a, a, a doggy do. What's it? Do-do? Do-gooders. 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 Uh, which was one of your... How long have you been in the, the dog do business?
3: Um, well, not including when I was in news. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of, <laughs> um uh, But um, thank you. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) That's as good as it gets.
3: We uh, we started during the Great Recession. Oh wow! And which you know, at the time, um, we were looking for a way to make some extra money, and we knew that in our hearts we wanted to be entrepreneurs. And I say we because it was a joint venture with myself and my husband. And so we said, well, you got to do what. Who has a name, by the way? He does have a name, Nate Berdine. There you go. Yes, Um, or future first lady man. (laughs) Taken too. Yeah. And we just. Said, you have to do what pill- people are not willing to do. Mm-hmm. And we said, people aren't willing to pick up
2: mm-hmm.
3: their own dog poop. And so it was the Great Recession, and we cleared out the last $300 in our savings account. We took an old Daylight Donuts bucket that they had thrown away, hmm. and we started scooping poop. And that's evolved now here more than 10 years later to we're in six states, and we do dog DNA testing as well. And we're the. What do num- you do
0: with dog DNA testing? What do
3: you do? Pun intended. Um, so the dog DNA, DNA testing is, um, so in this area, what it's primarily used for is swab the cheek of the dog when you move into a property. And then if there's a specimen found, they ID the poop And then the property can find them. So primarily HOAs and condos Got and it. apartment complexes. Um, but we'll be adding on to that early 2018 a service that's essentially like a 23andMe for dogs Got so it. you can know if your dog has a higher propensity for cancer or certain diseases and or
0: if it's truly a whatever it purports to, whatever be. it says to be yeah yeah so we're adding
3: that on but yeah we're the number one distributor in the world
0: that's impressive uh who knew right Who'd, when you who start knew when with you, do <laughs> it's constant isn't it it's just it a is. constant series of puns with you um no uh so you've been out talking to people i have and it's that's a full-time job right it is um what You hear from people in terms of what they're really there's things I talk about Mm -hmm. and that sometimes we think are important, but what is really important to people?
3: You know, one of the things that I hear a lot about, and I think this is one issue that you do bring up, is the issue of traffic and transportation needs Mm -hmm. in this city. And that's one that I'm really excited to be looking at and looking at solutions for is what does public transit look like in this city?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, Um, let's get right to it (laughs) because it's on my list, as you know. Yes. what does public transit look like in this city?
3: Well, it doesn't look like what it does today, and you know, it's we are currently, I feel like, running a bus system, public transportation, in an with a system that is more like it's 1968 and not like it's going into 2018. So, some of the ideas that I'm really excited about looking at, um, Ford Chariot has a program that it's called or Via, where they use microbuses to help service communities that are a little bit smaller. Who's, Who's that idea? Ford Chariot, so for, it's it was a startup called Chariot, and then Ford bought it. Ah,
0: got it. So it's the actual Ford Motor Company. Ford, yep, yeah, and then Chariot, yeah. And got so it.
3: there's a software component in it. Oh, okay. That uh, allows them to essentially run run like a 20 passenger microbus through. It's another competing company called Via that does the same thing. And Via is interesting because that's being rolled out in Arlington, Texas, which that's a city that had no public transportation options whatsoever. Really. Yeah, and can you, I mean, that's a good-sized city. Yeah,
0: and I, if you've ever been to the Metroplex, you know that it's, you know, 12 lanes of traffic in every, it's a, it's a nightmare.
3: It's a nightmare, and they didn't have, they consistently in that community had voted down bonds for bus systems, so they brought in this system called VIA. And it's the same principle in that it is essentially microbussing people. Um, So I think those are things we need to look at. There's software out there and ideas that I think we need to be tapping into and really utilizing innovation because we are living in this era of innovation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, do we need to be looking at a system to where maybe what we have the physical buses or the transportation is tiered, um, that we don't use the big, big ones through the whole city? Mm -hmm. Um, I live way out on the west side of town. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you are to get to a bus there, you have a lot of walking to do.
0: Yeah it's a it's a big winding route 10 mm-hmm. is a big winding serpentine deal that is not particularly efficient unless you live very close to it.
3: And, you know, we have, as far out as we are, we have low-income housing. And so if we're going to talk about, as a city, giving people economic opportunities to get to their jobs and to get, you know, if it's to the core, we need to also be providing them transportation to do that. And what are the more efficient ways that we can do that? Um, There's also a program, a smaller community outside of San Jose, that is piloting a program that essentially uses, um, like, a cell phone beacon at bus stops and that people will hit the beacon or the button,
0: yeah.
3: and the software on the bus routes the driver there. So they more use a, not necessarily a grid, but a, a space that a that driver zone. runs. A zone area, and that's where the driver routes to. So if there's no one from here, you know, I'm talking on radio and pointing. Right. But no, you, I do it all the time. It, it's good. <laughs> you know, if, if there's a mile where no one is, they can route the most efficient way to get to where someone is.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, so there are these, and that's not the solution for everything everywhere. No, right?
3: But it could be here, or maybe it's a modification. I think we've got to really be aggressive about looking at that. Um, And we, you know, I do hear that a lot. Um, I hear, you know, a lot of people. We talk about public safety Mm -hmm. and safe and strong families, which, Mm -hmm. of course, is from my work uh, with Jolene's Law and child sexual abuse, is um, very close to my heart. And how do we, as a city, lead in those issues?
0: Mm We're talking to Jolene Letcher. She is a candidate for mayor in the upcoming election. Upcoming, I say that, but it's in April.
3: April next year.
0: The the, the flowers will be back before we have this election, but we're we're in for a long haul, which is you know great for me. Um, so uh, I want to touch just back on transportation for just a second, and then we'll get to public safety, and then we'll talk more about other stuff. But why? My understanding and my experience is that transportation is either the number one or among the top couple unmet needs in the city of Sioux Falls, meaning more people say they need help with transportation than anything else. How come that doesn't rise up to something that we actually talk about at a governmental level?
3: I think sometimes that is reflective in what does our our leadership look like, and that's not to attack Mm-hmm. Um, that's simply to say that you know a lot of us have access to a car readily, and so our day-to-day reality is having a car. Um, And that if you don't live that reality that a lot of people in this community do, where having a car is difficult to do or to figure out, um, it's hard to remember that that is for a lot of people their main issue. And that's one of the things I've been excited about is getting out and talking to so many different people. And there is a feeling sometimes, I think, in government as a whole, and especially in the day and age that we live, that government doesn't hear the people.
0: Do you, you know, one of the amazing things that I've learned in the past, I don't know, whatever years, is that how many people actually use the taxi service, and God bless taxi drivers, okay, and this is nothing against them, to get to school and get to work on a daily basis to the point where uh, uh, the gentleman from Metro Taxi who was in here the other day, um, his name escapes me, I'm sorry, he's probably listening, this is... That he's giving people like bulk rate for, you know, five days to go to work or to school or what have you. But even though he's cutting the price because it's regular business, it's still really expensive in terms of the proportion of somebody's income. That alone should wake people up in this community to say, all right, this is something we actually need to have a broader discussion about. I know you say it's about leadership but how are you going to get that into the broader public consciousness
3: i think it's you have to have a leader that's willing to speak about it and talk about it and make it part of their agenda but but also patrick i think what's important is I don't believe that when we look at issues the city's facing, that we look at them in silos or standalone issues. So if if we say this category here is an issue with transportation and public transportation, that is not a standalone issue when you look at the economics that it feeds and it drives. When you look at the health and well-being of the city, if someone can't get to a doctor's appointment, Mm -hmm. what is the economic impact if they then can't go to work? They're problems that live within each other. And, you know, from my legislative experience and the work we've done with Joel law -hmm. one of the things we were very proactive with is when we look at problems when we go to find the solutions we don't just bandage it we look for a a treatment for a cure and I think that's where too you get between a difference in what I would consider a politician's repair for something or band-aid and a public servants
0: it's gonna cost money right
3: it's going to cost money, and so if we are going to talk about a bandaid, you got to rip the bandaid off. Um, but what is the economic impact long term in those things? And our public transportation right system right now, it, it's not making money. No. Um, and so they don't make money. They and don't make not, money, and they're not made to make money.
0: Right. That's not why the it's front. there. It's a, it's a, it's infrastructure like roads or uh, sewer or transportation is infrastructure just like anything else. So. Ah, uh, I just got a note. This just in my earpiece from uh, Uber producer Dan Peters, John Hodgson. I, why can't I remember that name? John Hodgson of Metro Cab. He was in here the other day and we were talking about this. And, and uh, of course, John's involved in some other issues. So sorry about that, John. No.
3: Uh, we, we shout out to John. There you go.
0: Um, and it's a nice segue. We are going to come right back and talk about other issues other than transportation uh, after this break in the news. This is The Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-three on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we are continuing our conversation here with Jolene Letcher. She is a candidate for mayor of your city of Sioux Falls. Jolene, did I, I did I use did I said that right? Or
3: didn't I? Yeah, you said it oh, right. Gosh, yeah. a, why did I look a, like you? D- no, you did. Had a little
0: panic on your face. Oh
3: no, I was okay, going to say good. and the city of opportunity.
0: The city of opportunity, there. Yes. Thank you very much. You know, sometimes when you talk, like. Especially, uh, you know, I've not been in this business too long, everybody knows that, and sometimes I'm talking, and I'm wondering did i what what did I just say <laughs> so <laughs> when they had that look on your face I thought I had screwed up your name no, and called you, you somebody had not. Else. no wow. you are yeah. you are all good wouldn't be the first time it happened um let's talk about uh the parking ramp yep the the private partner private public partnership downtown to build a fifty million dollar multi use Parking ramp, hotel, and retail space uh, on the block and 10th Street there just off Phillips. Um, there's been some criticism about the cost of the parking ramp to the city, which out of $50 million is roughly twenty. million. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's too expensive?
3: You know, I, I didn't see the other RFPs. Or the, you know the other proposals or options that came through initially, does it feel too expensive, especially as a taxpayer when we're talking about a city where you know our sales tax revenue is, is pretty much flatlining if it, it feels like a lot, but also knowing um, that you know initially when those price per parking spot mm-hmm. numbers came out and that it was double what the average was, and uh, Councillor Neitzert went through and he did mm-hmm. did all of his amazing calculations mm-hmm. that that he does, um, and you could see kind of the reasoning behind it. I think what it does is it definitely. It puts a stake in the ground for future development down there, and I think it continues to encourage growth in our downtown which is really good. What I really like about it too is it is that public-private partnership. And those are the things that move cities forward in this day and age. Um, Those are the things that I think we're going to have to continue to do as a city. Um, These three P projects as they call them. It's one of the things that I think is crucial for us as we look at building out an entertainment district and that area around the Denny Sanford Premier Center is those have to be public-private partnerships to make those move forward. Public, of course, being the first part of that and always knowing that the public's money should be spent in public. And that that for me is so important, especially when we talk about transparency and, you know, it's our money. Mm -hmm. So let's know where it's going.
0: Do you think we should know more about this deal than we do now?
3: I think you know when it comes to there's been that discussion right of mm-hmm. RFP selection committees and mm-hmm. and, and, those and this was of an
0: RFQ which is a little different but the, the RFP but the, broadly speaking the RFP is uh, essentially um, it's it's closed until it's announced who it is mm-hmm. um, but this was an RFQ do first of all let let's talk about the RFQ first which is a little different and this private partner because this is a we've never done this on this scale before should we know more about who is involved in this deal if in fact we are a partner with them with public money
3: and i i just want to clarify what you're asking there is you, do we need to know who the investors yeah, are yeah, in the absolutely. yeah absolutely who's involved i think there's no reason we shouldn't know okay um, i think that you know it's our partnership with them, and you know, we have to be an open government for people to feel like it works. And we live in a time when people feel like there are all these secret deals and things they don't know about. And you know, it's the public's money. Mm-hmm. And for me, as mayor, public money will be spent in public. Mm-hmm. And if there are people that don't like that, they're gonna have to get used to the way I lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, that is fed by the importance of transparency. And I will always go back to democracy dies in the darkness.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, the new Washington Post slogan. Um, the uh, would Do we need a change in ordinance to do these? Do we need to just go back and look at the ordinances and say, this is what needs to be open and when?
3: I think so. And you and I come from a background where, you know, sunshine is good. Mm-hmm. And when we know what's happening, that fuels better ideas Mm -hmm. and better belief in the ideas brought forward, right? And that if if people don't know who's involved, they have a right to question it, Mm -hmm. right or wrong, right? Whoever may or may not be involved in something, if people question it, then they question the integrity. And if they question the integrity, what follows? A lack of trust in the system. And we have to ingrain trust in that. And that is done through a foundation of transparency. And so if we need to, as a city, go back and look at these ordinances and say, Here's, here are the things we need to revise and change so that we are leading in a way that the public can see what's happening, then, yeah, we need to do it.
0: The culture right now uh, has been to not give up information. The parking space calculation is a perfect example where Joe Sneavy, for the arts leader who wrote that story, that was so criticized, asked for the information, was not given it. If the city hall would have just given him the information, it would have been a completely different story. They knew it. They chose not to give it to him. Uh, How do you change that culture? I mean, that's a cultural problem there. That's not a legal problem. Uh, Do we need to change the laws because the culture has gotten so bad? Is that the problem?
3: I think we have to, you know, as an administration... Not look at, first of all, not look at the fourth estate, not look at journalists as our enemy, but to look at them as a partnership, as a way to... Well, let's not go too far. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, blur that line up. But I guess, you know, my, my point, Patrick, being is that when you, when you hide things, my belief, is when you hide things from reporters and journalists or you, you make the process difficult, you're really making it difficult for the people.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And they, they don't deserve that
0: uh switching topics briefly we're here with uh now see i uh, know i'm sorry i got you
3: paranoid
0: i know and i i paused there jolene jolene letcher candidate for mayor former tv reporter uh current business person and uh advocate for children of victims of child sexual abuse Mm -hmm. um that's that's your title now it's it's a long one let's talk about poverty in the community um the sioux Falls school district uh Statistics are pretty stark on this issue and I think demonstrate that we have areas of our community who are much poorer Mm -hmm. than other areas of our community. And we have created a segregated community of rich and poor. So you look at a collection of of about half a dozen schools in the core and you've got rates of poverty in those schools based on free and reduced lunch that are 90 percent to 100 percent. You look at schools, not even in the suburbs, we're just talking about in the fringe of the city that are in the teens. Then you get into the actual suburbs and it's even lower. So this is a classic, classic case of white flight, uh, uh, affluence flight out of the city. What can you do as mayor to have any effect on that trend?
3: So I think there's, there's a couple of things to look at. And what we know is if you talk to in the Sioux Falls Thrive folks or, or anyone with the chamber, you know, where we're growing um, economically is that 100000 mm-hmm. plus market you know, area and then you know, that $25,000 range. And that, that, that middle is shrinking as well. But I think you know, we can continue to make the core a place that people, all economic backgrounds, want to live in. From, you know, no matter what your tax bracket is, how do we continue to make living in the core appealing to not just the those that may be struggling financially, um, but those that are you know all the way up through that spectrum. And I, that's why I think one of the things we really need to continue to look at too is mixed income housing. Um, I was in Denver a few months ago and met with their mayor, and we talked about their downtown has had tremendous success with mixed income, mixed use housing. And part of what that does too is it's a way to be sure that, that kids and families, they interact with people across all spectrums of the socioeconomic um world. But then it's also a way to be sure that some of these other issues that we, we see and become concerned with, you know, your neighbor is your neighbor, regardless mm-hmm. of, of you know what that the money they make may be.
0: And we have fabulous neighborhoods in the core, and I don't know why this happened, but there often is a perception when people move here, other than McKinnon, you know which is very affluent, mm-hmm. um, but it gets very non-affluent affluent very quickly um, as you move away from there, that those neighborhoods are somehow dangerous or they're, I, I don't understand that. How did that happen, Jolene?
3: You know, I think, unfortunately, it becomes people live in their bubbles and there tends to be that tendency of you don't see, you don't know what you don't see. Um, and we have amazing communities. We have beautiful houses. Um. If, you know, Adam Weber, who's the pastor at Embrace, and Adam, uh, a couple weeks ago, he uh, he lives up by the cathedral and was talking about how he loves his neighborhood and he loves the diversity of his neighborhood and was trying to encourage, you know, more people to go there, buy these homes that need some TLC and to help support those communities or those parts of, of our community as well. So, you know, um, is there one simple answer? No. Um, but I think, too, when we're starting to look at, at the issue of poverty and diversity and how do we bring together different parts of this city, um, it's, again, looking at problems holistically, right?
0: I, this, I just answer this quickly. Yes. We have lived under a concept in this city that to just go out, 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 and it's been very profitable mm-hmm. for the developers. Um, there's no question about that. There've been a lot of good jobs associated with that in the trades. There's no question about that. And that has been an economic model just here, but not just here, but across the country. What would you change in city policy Mm -hmm. to encourage redevelopment or more development in town and better use of the land as we start to move out? We seem to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And, it causes a lot of problems. What policies can you change in City Hall to encourage some other type of growth and redevelopment?
3: Well, you know, I think part of that is going back to this idea of, you know, if we look at mixed income housing, um, mixed use, mixed income housing, those are things that I think from a City Hall perspective we can champion. Um, We can, uh, you know, look at it from... There's
0: a lot of powerful interests that, moneyed interests, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is not a bad thing, Uh, profit is a high motivator. And how do you stand up against that as the mayor without seeming like you're not pro-business or not pro-economic growth?
3: Well, I think, again, we've got to be looking at things holistically. And, And that means that, you know, and I live on the edge of town. Mm-hmm. You know, I am on the, the the far west edge of town. That's that's where I live. That's that's where we are. We've been out there for a while. Um, but you know, we need to also, from a, a city hall perspective, let's encourage some of these neighborhoods. Um, you know, like McKennan Park, where we've. we've We were fortunate that that has been a neighborhood that's really grown. Mm -hmm. Um, Pettigrew Heights, I think there's been been some work there. But let's continue to be uh, aggressive as a city and as an administration to encourage people getting down there to from a, um, you know, do we need to go in as a a city, as an administration, and help bring some of those homes back Mm -hmm. and encourage people down there. Um, And, you know, it is a balancing act of what makes money. I'm a business owner. I understand that right? You you have to also be profitable in that. And so how do you manage the growth on the outskirts where it is cheaper in a lot of ways, because you can buy that land, you can hold it and, and whatnot.
0: Any any uh, city planner will tell you that growth doesn't pay for itself, though, that it's subsidized by the city.
3: Well, and that's, that is the city should help the city grow, right? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, th- the city's job is to make all of our lives better and to invest in Our well-being and the city's growth as a whole—that is, that's what government's role should be, right—to enhance the well-being of the community.
0: We're going to come right back on that note and talk more after this break with Jolene Letcher. She is a candidate for mayor in the April election. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information One Thousand KSOO. Four forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO. And we are talking with Jolene Letcher. She is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April election. One of eight. One of eight. One of eight, Is yes. it uh, hard to punch through the din when there's eight people running?
3: I think when you've got a great message, it makes its way through. I'm, I'm proud. I was looking at our numbers. Uh, we've had 50,000 minutes of content watched just on our Facebook page.
0: Then you also have uh, kind of a series of YouTube mm-hmm. uh, ads, essentially. Videos, yeah um are you would you call your uh campaign uh, uh bare bones i mean are you able to raise the kind of money that some of these that some of the other folks who have been doing it for a little longer mm-hmm. you know jim edeman well yep. i'll use him as an example jim's been gonna run from mayor for a long time he knows a lot of people he's been involved in the community forever he can raise a lot of money can you raise money like the top tier guys can
3: We are working on it, that's for sure. I think um, one of the things that was said to me very early on when I made this decision that stuck with me was uh, someone said, if you can't write yourself a check for $300,000, you better not even do this. Hmm. And that stung because, you know, Patrick, people in the city, very, very few people can do that. Right. And if the expectation is that the person that leads the city in City Hall has to have so many zeros behind their, their tax return number, then who's really getting hurt in this city? And you know, we've been really excited with, with the turnout and the fundraising efforts that we've had. We did make this decision to go into this race later than anybody else. When you talk about it being a surprise, that, that decision for me, um, it wasn't years in the making, it wasn't even a year in the <laughs> making, um, and so you know we have we have gone into it knowing that um, there is a diversity of candidates in many different ways, and you know we know that message is resonating in a lot of different ways, and for us that's also being very smart about how we get that message about,
0: about. which is that the YouTube uh, ads um, have been very creative as well. I mean, thank you. Uh, are you are I look at it as you're make, trying to make the best of what you got.
3: Knowing what, uh, knowing what I have, um, and you know one of the businesses we have is an advertising agency. Right.
0: You have it's, cameras.
3: I do have cameras. I do. <laughs> and so you know, people come to these elections and these campaigns with different resources, right? And, and maybe that resource is 100% cash. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that resource is, in my case, um, having an advertising agency and the ability to make videos and and resonate with people and communicate with them the way they are communicating. Mm -hmm. The other thing I come to this race with is a perspective of ideas and innovation that hasn't been seen before. And I think that's really important to be a business owner, to have been in that startup world, and to know what it's like to make good policy. You know, that is a unique st- structure there.
0: Uh, in the, we're here with Jolene Letcher, and in the last few minutes that we have left here, a bit of a lightning round. First of all, do we have bad roads? People say we have bad roads all the time. Is that just a perception?
3: Depends on where you live. You know, I live on Ellis. It's rough right now. Uh, it'll get rough through the winter, and, but it gets rehabbed again. I think we've got to always just stay on top of it. Um, otherwise, But people
0: complain about the roads and, and that we've got these terrible roads, and how come nobody can fix them? To me, I think that they're dreaming Our roads are great. Ride a bike on them for a while. Our roads are fantastic. Is that a perception that you have to overcome and an expectation that every road is going to be smooth as silk?
3: I think it is it a lot perception um you know, I would say there are communities, larger communities uh, to the south of us, for example, if you go driving around there, they don't have what we
0: have. You mean Sioux City where both of us have worked we in both the past. have worked in Sioux <laughs> City, yes,
3: so uh if you drive the roads in Sioux City. Not what you get here. But that said, people have a high expectation, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to continue to strive to meet that. And, um, you know, I think that's work in progress. we got to keep doing it.
0: Sales tax has been flat. I hate to dop- drop this on you in the end, but we have we've <laughs> got f- flat sales tax revenue. Um, how do you adjust the budget priorities? Mary Huther says it's got to be roads and infrastructure, and, that, and that's it. Do you agree with that?
3: I think um, those are the day to day needs of government, and those have to obviously kind of remain at the forefront. But also, if we are not proactively investing um, in what is going to grow this city beyond just roads and infrastructure, um, we're going to be biting ourselves down the road. Um, you know, and I can tell you, having been in a been in a business where we literally bootstrapped as you and I were talking about, with $300. Mm -hmm. Um, There are the necessities that you have to learn how to pay for, but to grow a business, there are also things that you know you have to move forward with, and you've got to shift those dollars at times.
0: Yeah, Jolene Letcher, she is on the ballot for the April 10th election. You got it. And that's the first round, and then there's a runoff.
3: May 1st. May
0: 1st, and there will most definitely be a runoff because I don't think anybody's going to get 50 1%, 1% but we are 50% plus 1. 50
3: plus 1. Yeah, I'll so take the plus 1. There yeah. you
0: go. Uh, so that's uh, it's going to get pretty crazy. Here are you ready?
3: I am so excited.
0: Outstanding. Yes. Uh, thanks for being here, Julian.
3: Oh, thank you. Thanks for I got a selfie with your bike.
0: Oh, nice. That's sweet. Uh, look for that on Twitter. This is the Patrick Lally show on Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 4:40 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I want to tell you about Miracle on 41st Street Toy Drive. It's going on right now? Starting tomorrow, actually. December 1st through December 24th. Miracle on 41st Street Toy Drive. Drop off a new toy, cash donation, or item of need at the Children's Inn gift wrapping booth in the Macy's Wing of the Empire Mall. Have your gifts wrapped at the booth for a cash donation at the Children's Inn. For a list of items of need, click on our on our website at KSO.com. Drop-off drop off bins will also be set up at the Washington Pavilion during the Tonic Soul Fall Holiday Concerts December 1st and 2nd. A special thanks to Great Plains Dental, Great Western Bank, and XL Energy for helping sponsor this year's event. And coming up tomorrow, you guys, you're you're going to want to tune in tomorrow. We've got a great story from Dan Brentro and Peter Vit- Vitiello, who have an inspirational story about trying to find a cure for an often fatal disease that has afflicted Mr. Brentro's daughter, and has he has enlisted Peter Vitiello, who is a researcher with Sanford, and it's really a great story. Uh, you're gonna you really want to tune in in the second hour tomorrow to hear what they have to say. I know you're. I know you'll enjoy it. Also coming up tomorrow, this is a special treat. Hold on. The Buffalo Maiden. The Buffalo Maiden will be in studio as co-host for the first hour of the show. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to give it a try. I gave you a one-up there. (laughs) That kind of freaked me out. And also Thea Miller-Ryan will be here for her weekly visit from the outdoor campus. That's all coming up tomorrow on a good Friday happy hour edition of the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. I take you out with the clash.